Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast. I'm glad you're listening today. I'm your host, AJ, and I have the privilege to be talking to today, first interview ever on Faith for My Generation podcast, evangelist Preston Shuttlesworth. How are you doing today, Preston? Hey, I'm doing great. Good to see, well, I'm not see because this is an audio podcast, but it's good to be on with you, AJ, and uh, I'm honored that you chose me to be your first guest, so I'm glad to be here and I hope people enjoy today's episode. Yeah, absolutely. If they don't, we will not tell you. We'll just uh, <laughs> we'll just make sure that you know you th- thought they enjoyed it. No, I'm sure everyone will enjoy <laughs> it. Absolutely enjoy it. You know, being the first, we I should have came up something with something like a a special award, like a Dundee's award or something, for being the first uh, interview on the podcast. Uh, yeah, like yeah. a sticker or something, like a badge to wear or something like yes, that. Yes, we would definitely need a badge for that. Uh, an honorary gold star. Yes, exactly. But I've, I've been following you um, on Instagram, and also you've got a podcast as well, the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast. That's You can find wherever there are fine podcasts streamed and download. And um, I've, I thought it was really interesting, the different things that you're involved in and in the ministry you have that the Lord's called you as an evangelist. And a lot of things that you've put up, I obviously, I really enjoy, you know, some back and forth humor on some different things. Uh, but before we get started into that, uh, how about you tell us at the Faith for My Generation family, uh, tell us about who you are, you know, a little bit about your past. Let us know, you know, what was your upbringing, where you are now, what you're doing, and um, maybe some things that shaped you and put you in the place you are today. Yeah, of course. Well, I come from a ministry family. I'm sure many of the listeners will know the name Shuttlesworth, but not Preston. But um, my family going back three generations now, beginning with my father's father, um, were ministers, full-time pastors, evangelists, um, some form of ministry. Pretty much every single member of my family is in ministry. So I was always around it my whole life, grew up in church, grew up in revivals. I mean, my earliest memories are going to tent meetings with my Uncle Ted or um, my dad pastors a church here where I live now in Virginia Beach. And so my whole life has been centered around church and ministry. And uh, a lot of times, you know, if there's PKs that listen to this, um, you grow up around ministry so much, uh, you can get so familiar with it that it becomes kind of, um, you kind of lose how important it is because of how familiar you are with it. And so for me, growing up, um, it wasn't enough just to have the last name or to grow up around other great men of God that preach. But personally, I had to get to a place where I knew the Lord had called me specifically not because of just where I came from, but, but because there was something specific on my life that he wanted me to do. And so I lived my entire early childhood, teenage years, high school, things like that with that in mind. And then when I graduated uh, Bible or not Bible school, high school, I went to Valor Christian College, which is in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, people might know Dr. Rod Parsley. He okay, is the yeah. chancellor of that school and did two years there got an associate's degree in the ministry. And then from there, I came home. And for about six months, I was working for my parents. I was on staff at the church that we have here. But there was something missing. I knew the Lord was leading me in a different direction. I knew it wasn't what he wanted for me in the long term. And so I began to fast and pray Mm -hmm. around that time. And I felt the Lord speak to me then to begin to travel. It's kind of funny, AJ, because when the Lord told me to travel, it was March of 2020, which was the very beginning of when, you know, COVID was uh, hitting America and things were shutting down and churches were shutting down. And 
Wow. Uh, and so it's difficult to be a traveling evangelist when things are normal. I mean, it's mm-hmm. difficult enough to get opportunities and for people to find out who you are when things are normal. But the Lord called me to travel during a time when nobody was traveling. And a lot of times I think that's how the Lord works. And that's yeah. how faith works is yeah. when everybody else is doing something, you do the opposite because the Lord tells you to, and then he rewards you. And uh, not to say that I'm at any near level of, you know, my cousin, Jonathan, or my cousin, Teddy, who are evangelists, but I'm still starting out, but the Lord has blessed it. And the Lord has opened up doors to travel uh, to different parts of the United States and do a, uh, extended revivals, youth camps, you know, a lot of different opportunities that have come. And I'm so blessed and happy because there's nothing better than knowing that you're living in the complete will of God for Mm -hmm. your life. And I encourage anybody that listens to this to find out what that is. And then when you find it out, go after it with your whole heart. And that's why I respect you, AJ, for doing this right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because a lot of people, they have dreams. They have things that they know the Lord has anointed them to do but they never take that step of faith to actually do it. And so um, that's something that I had to learn to do and I, and I'm doing now. And uh, this year I'm coming into 2022 will be the beginning of my third year of full-time evangelism. And so that's what I'm doing now. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things that in there you, you mentioned that I can connect with. Uh, I'm a pastor's kid. Um, My father founded this church gospel tabernacle church that I, that I'm now, uh, worship pastor and associate pastor here. And uh, I think that's interesting. You know, um, I don't know if you feel this way or have felt this way, but I never want people to assume that I'm here because, you know, I'm the son, right? That, or I'm associated here because, well, my dad's the preacher, you know, so I, uh, I couldn't get a job somewhere else. So I'm here working in th- this church, <laughs> which of course you're called to be an evangelist. Um, but I, I never want people to assume that uh, and I don't, I don't think they do, but I, I also, for myself, it's like that point you were making. I don't want to do something because it's comfortable. I want to do what the will of God is. And um, I was kind of in that mindset for the longest time. I, I, I totally connect with you on that being, you can almost get too familiar with mm-hmm. ministry when you're grown up in it, because man, I wouldn't trade my life. I'm sure you would agree. I would not trade growing up in ministry uh, for anything. I think it's, a yeah. wonderful experience that I've had. And um, I mean, just getting to see the hand of God at work uh, through my father, through this church and being around the things of God. Uh, I just wouldn't trade it for anything, but you can almost get to a point where it becomes uh, too familiar to you. And yeah. you have to treasure that. You made this point. I saw that it was something just came to my mind on Twitter, but, and I replied to, you know, the anointing makes all the difference. You were making the point. I believe that you can tell when a minister is ministering under the anointing. If they've paid that, that price yeah. to carry the power of God and it makes all the difference. And, you know, what we're talking about ministry, but anyone listening to this podcast, whatever it is that God's purposed or called you to do, uh, if you've got the goods, you know, you've went and paid that price and you've gotten direction and leading by the Holy spirit, it can be seen on you. Yeah. And, and I think that's so necessary to live because you mentioned it, to live in the complete will of God. There's no p- better place. And you, you shouldn't even say, I, sh- I shouldn't say better. There is no other place you should live than the complete will of God, because it's Absolutely. just hardship outside of that. Absolutely. And, you know, going back to what we're talking about, like when it comes to decisions I made, mm. every decision I made were ones that weren't comfortable in the natural. 
every single one. So for instance, where I chose to attend Bible school was somewhere that I chose because first of all, the Lord led me to go there. But second of all, one of the main reasons I felt the Lord led me to go there was because it was somewhere my family had never gone before. Mm. No other member of my family went to Valor Christian College uh, in Ohio besides me. And I had, you know, I obviously could have went to, it's called North Point now, but it used to be called mm. Zion Bible Institute. Is and that where, uh, sorry to interrupt, is that no, no, where no. your uncle evangelist Tiff is on the board at? Yeah, he's the board of, uh, I've seen, the chairman of the board, I guess is what you call yeah, it. Yeah, I've seen a picture of them at, in, I guess, at graduation time in those garments, but yeah, right. go ahead. But but exactly like what you mentioning that it, uh, is perfect because my family obviously very connected with that Bible school. My grandfather, the first uh, member of the Shuttlesworth family to be saved, that's where he attended to train mm-hmm. for the ministry. All of his sons, my dad and, and my uncles all went there. Jonathan went there. Um, and so that was a place where I could have gone. I would have been well-known. People would have said, oh, that, there's a Shuttlesworth walk in there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it would have been a very different experience for me. But I didn't want to be handed things. You know, I, I didn't want to be, you know, I, I get where I go because of who I know or my last name. I wanted to earn something and for the Lord to um, individually anoint me to be who I am and not yeah. just be riding the coattails of somebody else and what they've done. And, and I believe in impartation, believe me, mm-hmm. if anybody believes in impartation and legacy and the benefits that come along with God blessing a family, it's me. I understand that. But what I am saying is a lot of times the faith way is not the easy way in the natural. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like I said, tr- uh, obeying the Lord to travel during the highest point of COVID outbreak in the U S when everything was new, they were saying that 10 million people were going to die in, in, in the United States. And, and people didn't know what was going to happen. You know, that's an insane decision to make in the natural when you already have a full-time ministry position job. Yeah. You're already youth pastoring. You already have opportunities to preach. Why on earth would you make a decision to take less money in the beginning, at least, uh, have less opportunities to preach? You don't know where your next opportunity is going to come from. Why on earth would you make that kind of decision? Well, you make that kind of decision because the Lord told you to make it. And mm-hmm. when the Lord's hand is on you, And when the Lord blesses that decision, it doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural, the Lord will make it happen. And so I think you understand that as well. And I I honestly, I didn't know that you were a pastor's kid. That's awesome. And I'm glad that we connect on a lot of these, these things. But again, I think preachers, kids, the reason why their parents are great. And then the sons and the daughters, and it turns out, I don't know, it seems like this to me, maybe I'm a Mm -hmm. critic or, or something, but it seems like a lot of times the children don't carry what their fathers carried. Yeah. The children, the children don't carry what, you know, their family had. And it's because of that comfortability. It's because they didn't have to fight for things like their parents did or mm. their grandfather did. They didn't have to pray and fast for 21 days. They didn't have to do that kind of thing because when they got into the ministry, the church was already built. The people were already there. Everything was in place. And then they didn't really contribute to that. All they did was maintain what was already built. But I don't want to be a maintainer. I want to be someone that gains ground. I want to be someone that breaks through in areas that my family may have not broken through in. And not to say they haven't done great things, but I think the intention of God is always increase in every area. God is yeah. never satisfied for something to reach a point and then it just coasts and it stays at that level and it plateaus. God wants increase. And so in order to attain that, Faith is the only thing that's going to bring that. Faith is the only thing that pleases God. And so 
in order to receive that kind of increase, you have to make decisions that are faith-based and then the Lord uh, blesses it. And so that's what I've based my life on, at least in these first couple of years. And again, I'm just starting out, but it, I've seen God's hand on it because I've made those kinds of decisions. Yeah. And I had the, uh, I had the opportunity this morning to, uh, to speak to the FCA group at the local high school that I graduated from born and raised here in Lawrence, South Carolina. Yeah. And, um, what I, what the Lord laid on my heart was, you know, that you can go to the Lord and ask of him for direction and wisdom. Like, you know, that doesn't have to be the last resort. Like, oh, I don't know what to do. I guess I'm going to have to pray about it. Right. No, it can be the very first thing you do. And, and tell me what you think about that, especially because how old are you? Remind me of your age, please. Uh, I just turned 23 this Christmas. 23. So yeah. you're at the age where a lot of folks are, I mean, they're coming out of like, college or they're getting through trade school, you're right at that age of where there's so many decisions being made. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like our generation, I'm, I'm 31, be 32. So I guess, you, are you Gen Z or, or according to the last gen podcast, are you a Caitlin Jenner or a Gen Z? <laughs> a, a last Jenner is what it is, right? A last Jenner. Um, I would be, I think I'm considered Gen Z because okay. I think after 1995 or six, it switches over from millennials to Gen Z. Yeah. So I'm millennial. You're Gen Z. Apparently, we are in the generations that are the problem of the world. <laughs> but I won't, I won't own that. But it seems like a, a generation, maybe around our age of just like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to like spin my wheels here. And, uh, you know, maybe one day I'll discover my purpose. But for children of God, regardless of age, we don't have to just mindlessly or blindly go stumble through life. I mean, we can go to God and he can give us wisdom and direction. And it sounds like that's the way you've decided to lead your life. Lord, direct me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many scriptures on that as well. I mean, the Bible says many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord directs his steps. Hmm. And so I think a lot of times, especially with, like you mentioned, this age group, you know, your 20s to your early 30s, um, there is many decisions that you make, who you marry, what school you go to, what trade you want to be involved in, uh, what career, uh, what city that you want to get planted in, that you want to raise your family in, all these kinds of major, major life decisions. I mean, there's probably, I mean, someone else could argue something different, but I would say your 20s to your 30s are probably your most important years of your life because it pretty much sets the pace for how the rest of your life is going to go. Um, and not that things can't turn around and change if you make decisions after that, but I'm saying it's very important what you do in the early stages of your life. And um, so to make those kind of decisions without prayer, without fasting, without seeking the Lord, without reading his word to find out what his will is, is very uh, dangerous, very dangerous. And so if there are people listening right now that are in that kind of place. And I mean, we're in a fast right now. We're in a 21 day fast. And so this is a perfect time to talk about these kinds of things. You know, every time that I fast, I always present things before the Lord. Um, and so you have to learn to do that while you're young. And even if you can't do a 21 day water fast, like ministers do, you can do something. And I promise you, you'll hear the voice of the spirit more clearly as you do that. Um, and so I would encourage any young person to do that fast and pray before you make decisions. And in today's culture, I'm sure you'd agree, AJ, uh, people just make decisions based on what they feel like. Mm -hmm. It's all emotion. It's all soul. It's all human reasoning. And there's no 
spirit direction. There's no word from God. It's just what seems to be the right thing to do. Um, I think there's a scripture that says uh, there seems or, or there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the yeah. end thereof is destruction. And it also says that your heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. And so we live in that generation, AJ, where everything's about following your heart, quote unquote, following uh, your dreams and all that kind of stuff. And not to say those things can't come into God's will, but if you go into this place where I'm going to follow my heart and ignore God in these big decisions, you're going to pay the price for it. You're, you might marry the wrong person. You might take the wrong job. You might be going to the wrong church, whatever it might be. There are going to be issues that come up if you don't present major decisions before the Lord before you act upon them. Yeah, that's that's so powerful and that's so good. Yeah. It, what is it? Proverbs four tells us to guard our hearts for out of it spring up yeah. the issues of life. Yeah, and you, you talk about that the the heart's deceitfully wicked. It's this if we allow ourselves to deviate to our own will, right? We the will of God. I've been teaching on prayer on the broadcast the past nine days uh during this time of prayer and fasting and and the lord laid that on my heart to do a teaching on on prayer and i made this point i, I just kind of it kind of came to me in teaching but i made this point in this declaration there's there's nothing in the will that i don't want right like anything outside of god's word i don't want it anyway because my my spirit's been recreated i mm -hmm. want the things of god that's what i desire i think that's what's so powerful about prayer and fasting when you push away the input into the flesh, the food, mm -hmm. and you just cause the voice of the body and the flesh to be quieted. You realize, man, there's just so much more to just the things I eat or the things I see. It's mm -hmm. this connection with Father, you know, our heavenly father that is where my life source is. And that's what's going to protect me and put me in a place. You make that point. You just said, we live kind of, we live in this generation of, well, you know, I'm going to do what I feel, or you might, you know, no one can judge me. My truth is my truth. And your truth is your version of your truth, which is a total doctrine of devils, right? There's truth and then there, everything else is a lie. That's right. Uh, and you made this point uh, on one of your episodes on your personal podcast channel. Uh, it's entitled Killing Cool Christianity. When I listened, I listened to it a couple of times and I saw what you were referencing that you put up on your Instagram at this point, I guess sometime last year. Uh, mm -hmm. And you made this point about how holiness is necessary for the believer. I, I, I feel like, obviously, it's not the entire body of Christ on the globe, but yeah. what has crept into what we'll call the Western church yeah. is this idea of hyper grace, greasy grace, false grace, ultra grace, whatever you want to call it. It's a take, it's a, it's a, a deception that Satan uses and he takes biblical grace and takes it out of its biblical setting to make it sound like a license to sin to where a generation right now is, is, is of people who call themselves believers. They're doing whatever their body tells them to do, right? Yeah. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the mind, the pride of life, those three categories of sin, they're doing whatever they feel they want, they desire, and it's cool. God doesn't care. But why is holiness necessary for, for the believer, regardless of age, even for our generation? Well, first of all, it's necessary because the Bible commands us to be holy. And mm -hmm. I think that would be enough. You know, if, if the <laughs> word of God says to do something, I do it. And I don't ask too many questions as to why I'm doing it. It's kind of like when you ask your parents why you have to do something. And they're like, well, because I said so. <laughs> right, yeah. And So if the Lord says, be holy, 
even as I am holy, guess what? He's God and I'm not. So I'm going to be holy because he said I'm to be holy. But, you know, obviously you can go beyond that and you can go into reasons why being holy is not just commanded in the Bible, but it has benefits. There are benefits of righteousness. You can read about that in Isaiah where it talks about all the things that attribute to holiness, the benefits of being holy. I mean, there's a peace that comes when you live holy. And what do I mean by that? Yeah. When you live holy, you don't have to hide things. When you live holy, you don't have to have two different cell phones because you have contacts on one cell phone that you don't want the other ones to know about. When you live holy, you don't have to hide um, how you manage your money because you embezzle and you steal and you're greedy. When you live holy, you don't have to, um, I don't know, uh, hide your sin by clearing your browser history on your cell phone or your laptop or you know there's things that will bring peace because you live a holy lifestyle um and also the bible says that you know grace for instance is not a license to sin but grace is the power to live in victory over sin that's what grace is grace is not I sin every day and then he forgives me and that's grace. No, grace is receiving the supernatural ability of God to live in victory over sin and not have to deal with it. Where the Bible says one of two things, your life, either you will be a slave to sin or, or you will master sin. Those are the only two options. Either you'll be sin slave or you'll make sin your slave. And that's it. And mm -hmm. so I would rather be the one holding the chain than the one chained. I would rather be the one that's in command over sin than the one, than the one that's uh, under the dominion of sin. And so one of the most powerful things that Jesus did when he shed his blood is he broke the dominion of sin over his people. And so for someone to receive some sort of doctrine that makes them feel as though you know, Jesus paid it all, but sin will still affect my life, that's insane to me. It's as insane as saying, you know, it's powerful what Jesus did, but I still am going to be sick because I see them as the same thing. I think it was T.L. Right. Osborne that said that um, sin and sickness are like Siamese twins. They're like the same thing because they both entered the world at the same time when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. There was no sickness until sin entered. Mm -hmm. And so when you receive the fullness of what Jesus did, not only did he die on the cross to heal our bodies, not only did he die on the cross to uh, give us access to the Father once again, but it was to break the power and the stronghold of sin. And so what you see in, in modern Christianity, and I agree with you, it's not everybody, it's not the global church, it's not every single Christian, but I think it's very prevalent in younger demographics. And I know a lot of people that will be listening to this will probably be younger. And so yeah. it's important to understand. Um, it's become a sloppy lifestyle, to be honest with you. I'm not trying to sound critical or mean, but it's become this thing where you just do what you want and then you ask for forgiveness at the end of the day. And that doesn't please God. Mm -hmm. And to say you love God, the Bible says, Jesus said, it. he said, if you love me, if you truly love me, you'll obey my commandments. And so true love is expressed through obeying the word of God. It's not expressed through how much you sing worship. It's not expressed through how many songs you write or how much you sing. And, and that's what church has become for young people. It's become a concert. It's become a place where you sing and you like the sound of the music, but you don't actually believe the words that are being spoken. And a lot of the songs that are written, I'm kind of ranting now, but <laughs> a lot of the songs that are written nowadays aren't even word-based. 
They're not yeah. even rooted in the scripture. They're just like these emotional, soulish melodies that sound good. They sound fantastic. The instruments are great. The voices are great. It's composed well. The videos on YouTube that you watch of the music are great and they have everything. They have the lights and the smoke and it looks wonderful. Mm -hmm. But if there's no word center, if there's no root of biblical truth at the root of it all, then what is it worth? And that's what my fear is for young people, my generation, your generation, is that they get to this place where they love God. I truly believe they want to love God. They want to serve God, but they don't have any word life to stand on when things get shaky. So mm. as soon as trouble comes, the they bail. They bail on God. They go and they just do whatever they want. As soon as temptation comes, they give in the temptation because they have no word to stand on. It says in Psalm 119.9, I believe it says, how can a young person keep their way pure? by doing everything according to thy word. Wow. And so if you have no word life, you're going to have a very difficult time living holy. And so you should read your Bible more than you listen to worship music. If you're a young person, I believe that. I believe the word of God is what will make all the difference. And so that's what that podcast was really about. And the issue that kind of charged my spirit to make it is kind of irrelevant now. You know, I don't really care, Yeah. you know, People can do whatever they want. But my problem was the influence that that person's decision had on affecting a lot of young people that watch them because they have a big platform. But yeah. apart from that, why should I be holy? Because God said so. First of all, his word says to be holy. Second of all, there's benefits to holiness in your life. And then third of all, you want to please God. I want to please God. In order to please God, you must be holy, even as he's holy. And so I would say that. Yeah. Yeah, that's man. That's you. So many powerful things that you said there. Uh, I think, I think sometimes it's lost on people that that holiness is not this. Um, thou shalt do this, and sh thou shalt not do this. Though the word has the word of God, point blank says, "Don't do these things. Do these things." There's instructions and commands of the word of God, but yeah. holiness is much more than what some people might call legalism. Uh, and, and, you know, people can get off in that. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about out of a desire and a love for God, I'm going to do what God commands me to do because I love him. It, it, Jesus illustrated this in this parable of the two sons. He made this point. There's two sons. The father asked them to go do each to go work. And one son says, no, I'm not going to do it. But then he repents and he goes and does what the father asked. And then the other son says, oh, sure, I'll do it, dad. No problem. But then he doesn't do what's asked of him. And, yeah. and Jesus said, who did my will? Well, it was the one who actually did what was asked of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important to understand. It's the same way with faith. There is a necessary action tied to faith. You know, sure. as the Bible tells us, faith without works is dead. And, and I believe understanding who we are in Christ, the only way that, the, I mean, that's going to work out in what looks like a holy life, living separate, living Set, set apart unto God, that I live in such a way that I'm going to glorify God in what I say, what I do, what I think. I'm going to live and purpose my life to honor God. Because if there's anyone that I'm afraid to offend, that I have a truly a, a true reverent fear to offend, it's the Lord. I, I want to honor him in everything. Absolutely right. I mean, you think of David when he committed the sin with Bathsheba, and the Bible says that you know, there's that famous Psalm where he goes for the Lord and he says, Lord, you know, renew a right spirit within me. 
Yeah. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. And so when you sin, there should be, I'm not saying when you sin, I'm saying if someone sins and they're a Christian, there should be like a heartbreaking thing mm. where you, you are so upset that you broke the heart of God. And I would question somebody that sins continually and they don't have any sort of remorse. There's no, there's not even a sense of feeling like you broke the heart of God. It's just, you do something and you do it so much. You've just calloused your spirit to a point where it no longer even affects your conscience anymore. And so there's a difference within that, you know, and someone that obeys the Lord truly obeys the Lord. You know, there's a joy that comes with it. And when it comes back to legalism, I think what you see with legalism is you see people that are just sad. Honestly, it's just, it's just, it's a sad thing. You you see the look on their faces, you know, the things they wear, you know, you got women in floor length denim skirts with no makeup and they're just miserable, you know, and, and that's not holiness. And I think that's what the perspective and the view of holiness has been to a generation because people haven't interpreted the word of God correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, holiness is not what you wear necessarily. Holiness is about your heart. Yeah. Holiness is about an inward thing, not necessarily an outward thing. And I think, obviously, I'm not saying that you can, it's all right to wear, you know, insane clothing and be like crazy. But I'm, what I'm saying is people get this idea that holiness is like this outward thing. And it's not that. It's an inward thing that has effects on the outward. And that's how the Lord always works. He works from the inside out. And so I'm not saying that you have, you can't wear makeup and you can't wear earrings. And it seems like all the rules are for the women, by the way. Yeah. That, that's, that's how it always works out. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. the, the, the men who wrote the rules didn't write them for themselves. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's all these men that have like less problems and they can't see a woman's ankle without falling. <laughs> so. I mean, Hey, if you got paint for the barn, put a new coat on every now and then. Exactly. And I think the, the husbands of these women would be very thankful. <laughs> Um, but in all seriousness, that's, that's what true holiness is. And so I don't want people to think and they can't see me right now because there's no video, but I don't want them to think I'm uh, some Amish guy in the mountains right now with like one bag of possessions. And I'm like some monk. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm a normal guy. But I, what I'm yeah. saying is in order to see revival, in order to see like a real change in young people, holiness is very important. Yeah. Very important. You know, in Romans chapter one, it's been like a hallmark scripture that that's just been one of those scriptures that when you're reading, you know, the Lord just kind of reveals the power of of that portion of scripture to you, to you personally. And Romans one, four, chapter one, verse four, it says that the spirit of holiness with power raised Christ from the dead. And I think that's so powerful because, you know, the Bible, the word of God is God's word breathed. Right. Second Peter tells us that holy men of old anointed by the Holy Spirit wrote down the word. So we're not coming to the word of God as, oh, it's just a book. No, this is the word of God. And I think it's so powerful that God intentionally said the spirit of holiness, which of course we know is the Holy Spirit, but his name was not, he didn't say the Holy Spirit with power. He said the spirit of holiness with power raised Christ from the dead. And I just don't see, you know, you, I'm sure you can agree in your life, uh, the ministry that the Lord's done through you and your family, mighty men of God. You mentioned Brother T.L. Osborne, a mighty man of God, different people. You can look at their lives and see that holiness and the way they lived before God was that master key 
to allow and unlock the power of God into their life. Absolutely. Holiness is the master key. And I don't know what preacher said that, but that's a great quote. I love that so much. And yeah, I think it may have been Pastor E.A. Adeboye's. Yeah, heard yeah. That. yeah, absolutely. That's a great quote. And it's true. I mean, you go back through the entire Bible. Everything was about holiness. Everything was about holiness. The garden in the very beginning, everything was great. There was no disease. There was nothing wrong. There was no uh, handicapped parking spaces. There was no problems. But as soon as sin entered, all the issues entered. And so, you know, you kind of get in this place in modern church where people almost mock holiness, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously we, we were joking around a bit about, you know, legalism, about what people do with, with legalism. That's not what we're talking about. But I feel like there's gotten to a point where preachers almost kind of make fun of living holy. Mm-hmm. Like it's some dinosaur concept that is unattainable and it's not reachable and you can't actually do it. And, and that's sad because as, as soon as something is permitted from a pulpit, the pew will celebrate it. I think wow. uh, Pastor Io Arisha J4 said that. When the pulpit permits something, the pew or the people will celebrate it. And so when preachers kind of back down from preaching these kinds of things because maybe they're afraid of the backlash of it, maybe they're afraid of being criticized for talking about these sort of things and all they really want is to build a big church, but it has no substance. And I think that's a big problem in American church and Western church. Um, as soon as you do that, people are going to take that as a license to do whatever they want, because that's how, that's the nature of human uh, humankind. That's the nature of people. And so I think what we have to see is we have to see preachers, people in pulpits, take a strong stance on holiness and righteous living in order for that to be reproduced in the people. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about how people aren't interested in, in such and such anymore. They're not interested in God. They don't really want to listen to a sermon anymore when really that's not true at all. Uh, the issue is it begins in the pulpit. It begins with preachers. Preachers set the, the flow of how things are going to go in a nation or in the church. And so the problem isn't the people. The problem is the preachers. Hmm. That, that's what I think. Yeah. Um, and so... What I think we're beginning to see, and it encourages me, is we're seeing a lot of young people get on fire, and we're seeing a lot of young people begin to preach. And they're not weak preachers. I've heard a lot of them. There's a lot of great young preachers out there. Um, and so we're going to begin to see it shift. Uh, I think a lot of times there's a quote that talks about strong men create a good world. A good world creates weak men. Weak men create a bad world, Bad a bad world create strong men. And it's kind of like this cycle of, of human nature. Yeah. And so I think we're coming into like the pendulum swing right now, where there has been a time where things were weak. And because of that, uh, the world has gone a certain way. But now the generation that grew up in that world that was broken and, and lost at a point we've never seen before, preachers are going to rise out of that. And they're going to start preaching hard and preaching mm-hmm. from the word of God. And we're going to see things change. I, I, I truly believe that. And as I've been fasting and praying, the Lord's just been confirming that in my spirit, that that's what we're, we're going to begin to see is young people begin to preach the word of God uncompromisingly. And I believe we have many that are going to be listening to this right now. Uh, people that feel that call and the Lord's going to raise them up and do mighty things in their life before Jesus returns so we can see the greatest revival we've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I agree with you. 
And you, you made a point, uh, and it, it reminded me of something Dr. Oral Roberts said that uh, you made that point, that quote about what the pew permits the, or excuse me, what the pulpit permits, the pew celebrates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember hearing Dr. Oral Roberts say that whatever you compromise to gain, you will eventually lose. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's happened. You kind of see it, you know, both of us being in the ministry and of course doing ministerial studies and things, doing church history, looking at things. It seems like over the past 20, 30 years in Western church, American church culture, obviously we're not talking about the body of Christ, but this thing of, of American church culture, it seems like through sinkers, seeker sensitive type moves and things like that, we've pushed away from things that may offend other people because we want people to come in, but we've compromised the word of God to where even though we get someone to come in, we don't keep them because they don't get a true heart change. They don't get the experience, the power of God that wants them to live holy. They don't see what David talked about, the benefits, you know, forget not the benefits of the Lord, serving Lord that, hey, there is healing for your body. There's peace for your mind and your soul, and there's salvation for your spirit. Because if you compromise the gospel, God's not going to anoint some of his word that's mixed in with man's word. And I think that comes down to this root of there's, there's two, you have two options. Either you're going to fear the Lord, like Psalms 111 says, the beginning of wisdom, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. You're either going to fear the Lord or you're going to fear man. And Jesus made that point in the book of John. He said that, you know, they were chief rulers and Pharisees that believed on him well, he didn't say this, but John records it by the Holy Spirit, that they were chief rulers and Pharisees that believed on Jesus, but wouldn't publicly say they did for the fear of those in charge of the synagogues. So they had a belief, but it never evolved into this confession level faith, which that's how we get saved, right? We believe in our and confess with our mouth. It's something we actually proclaim. And I think that's necessary to understand. I can't allow the fear of man to sink down in my heart, because then I'll compromise the things of God. Uh, you know, tell me, tell me what your thoughts are on that between this idea of the fear of the Lord and the fear of the man. Cause that's, I feel like that's kind of lo- what breeds this cool Christianity or this seeker sense of idea, or, you know, we don't want to talk about things like the blood of Jesus. Cause it may freak people out or speak in tongues in church. Right. Uh, we'll do that. At, you know, on Friday night in the basement when 10 people show up, but not on Sunday morning. Cause you know, we, we don't want to run people off. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And, and it's dangerous to me because really what you're saying is if you go the direction of seeker sensitive uh, preaching certain things, because you don't want to offend people. Really what you're saying is I, like you're saying, I, I fear man more than I fear God. And then also you don't really believe the word. Because mm. if you believe the word of God, you believe that when it's preached, it produces what it says. And so for me, it all stems from a lack of faith from the preacher, where he's like, Well, I want to have a big church. So I understand that if I want to have a big church, I need to have um, a great children's program, a great cafe in the lobby, a bookstore. I need to have all of like the business structure, the entire like, and not, I'm not saying excellence is wrong. I'm not saying mm-hmm. doing things with structure and excellence is wrong um i think the pentecostal church has kind of gotten pretty lazy on that aspect of Mm. of church anyways um i'm not saying those things are wrong but when it comes to the preaching of the word of god when it comes to a man sent from god that prays that gets on his face before the lord and is in the presence of god before he speaks i don't understand 
how you can tell yourself, okay, I'm not going to preach on the blood of Jesus. I'm not going to touch on speaking in tongues. I'm not going to touch on divine healing that God doesn't need man's help to heal your body. I'm not going to touch on how God has a supernatural power to deliver your mind from anxiety and depression. And, you know, I'm just going to preach on how to have a successful marriage. I'm just going to preach on like humanistic things. I'm going to preach on how you can have a successful business. I'm going to preach on how you can manage your finances. And, And then I'm not saying these things are wrong, but for a Sunday morning message to teach on something that could be like a midweek teaching Mm. or like a Bible school lesson or something. Sure. No, Sunday morning should be reserved for the unsaved, the lost. You preach sin. You preach that there is a hell. People don't preach on hell anymore, AJ. Mm. I, I've, I found that. People don't preach on eternity. People don't preach on there's one of two places that you'll spend the rest of your existence after life. People don't preach that kind of stuff because it's a hard thing to listen to. But yeah. the Bible says that the word of God, the gospel, is an offense to many. It says that it was um, an offense to the Jews and a stumbling block to the Greek, I believe. Or maybe I mixed that up. But preaching the word of God, it's not always going to be received in love. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a divisive thing. The Bible says it's, it's a sword that divides. There, it's, there's going to be two sides of the coin. And to be a great preacher, in my opinion, you can't care what side people fall on, on either side, either they'll believe it or they'll reject it. And you being the preacher, you're just the messenger. You're repeating what God's already said. You're not creating some imaginary idea out of your mind. It's not like you're some psycho. That's just like, I'm going to preach what I feel because I think about it. No, that's not what preaching is. Preaching is you are verbatim repeating what God's already said. And that's what God blesses. God doesn't bless human reasoning. God doesn't bless humanistic ideas. God does not bless philosophy. God gets on his word. Mm. And so to be a great preacher, use scriptures. And I don't, it's aggravating. And again, I feel like I'm ranting, but it's true. Rant on. When they preach now, a lot of them, they quote the Bible like they're annoyed by it. Like they, (laughs) like it's something they have to do. Like, all right, I'm going to read my one scripture for today, our Sunday morning, and then I'm just going to kind of give my thoughts for 40 minutes. Yeah. And that's what their preaching is. It's like, it's again, it's like, it's like they're annoyed by the Bible. Like, I can't believe I have to read this book again. Where Billy Graham, for instance, he said that he wouldn't preach a thought unless there was like three scriptures that backed up what he was going to say. And that's how I want to preach. I want everything I say to be intertwined with the word of God, because I understand I'm smart enough, I would say, to understand that if I preach my thoughts, it's going to be the worst message ever preached because I have no idea what to do. All I know is God knows what to do. And so I pray, I fast, I get into a place where I know what he wants done. And then I just obey as a servant. It's not me trying to conjure up some idea of how things are going to work or what people should do or what will help somebody. No, God has already said it. There's nothing I need outside of what he's already spoken in the Bible. And and so for me, preachers get to that place where they think they have to go outside of the Bible to have a successful ministry and uh, have a successful church and you get into trouble. You know, there was a recent incident with the preacher. I'm sure everyone will probably know what I'm talking about. I won't mention him by name. But he's kind of one of those preachers that he uses like examples and illustrations and he does a lot of prop preaching 
and he does things uh, that are, it's just kind of like, how would you explain it? Like motivational speaking, life coach stuff. Yeah. You know, and he uses the Bible a lot, but you get into trouble when you get outside of the word, mm-hmm. when you have to like be shocking and be like, um, grab someone's attention, like social media. And I think that's one of the biggest issues with social media is everything's about how can I capture someone's attention? How can I make them stop scrolling on their pages? How can I do something to make them stop in their tracks and go, what in the world? And so once you go down that route as a preacher, sooner or later, there's going to be a big problem. And so young preachers, if you're listening to me and AJ right now, get in the word, stay in the word. I think my, my uncle evangelist Tiff, he has a quote. He says, when you preach, you start in the Bible, you stay in the Bible, and then you finish with the Bible. And if you do that, you'll have a very, very successful ministry, and it will produce a lot of fruit. And uh, I think the church needs to get back to that. And like going back to what you were saying, your, your original question, that all stems from fearing God more than you fear man and understanding his word produces and that God's way is the best way. Yeah, I think that's evident. You can see when the word of God is held at the highest level in someone's life, it just directs their life differently. Uh, you know, everyone that's listening, uh, Evangelist Preston also does episodes on the Last Gen podcast, that podcast that you can check out as well. And you just recently did an episode uh, that is entitled, What Does Sin Do to Your Mind? I encourage everyone to go listen to it on the Last Gen podcast. And I think you made this point about like, there's a generation that wants to have therapy uh, instead of just repent or change their ways. And, and really, that's because the word of God's not been put at the highest level that the react, you know, I don't need as a Christian, I don't need to go to the world to get help for sin or get help for something I need to change, bad habits, bad disciplines. The word will instruct me and give me power, truly the power of the Holy Spirit moving on, as you said, the word of God, not my thoughts, not my opinions, not my feelings, but right. the word of God confirming his word in me will break things off of me so that I can do what Ephesians 4 talks about, put off the old man and put on the new man when I renew the spirit of my mind. And I think that was so powerful when you were talking about how, you know, we're like a, you know, seeking therapy instead of just repent, change, allow the power of God to change you. Yeah. And, and not just with that issue, but there's so many things that people are trying to mingle worldly solutions with biblical solutions. And when you do that, neither work because yeah. you're, you're polluting what God's original uh, anecdote or what do you call it? Um, I don't care, antidote is for the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people have to understand that, you know, there's a verse I, that I used in that podcast. You say, well, how does mental health have anything to do with sin? You know, how, how are those things, those two things even connected? Well, the Bible says in Psalm 38, 18, it says, for I do confess my guilt and in, in my, in my iniquity or my sin. Mm-hmm. I am filled with anxiety because of my sin. And so we talked about it a little bit earlier in this uh, episode, AJ, but sin brings an anxiety and then holiness brings peace. And so it seems like young people have chosen that instead of confessing what I've done wrong, instead of confessing bad habits that I've developed, instead of confessing that I struggle with a certain kind of sin, I'm going to go to therapy mm. to kind of coddle 
this issue that I have. And you have to get to a place where I don't coddle my sin. I repent and then I live free from sin according to the word of God. And so sin, first of all, one of the areas that it attacks first is your mind. Sin affects the mind. And so you can't allow your mind to be some battleground for the devil where everything is affecting your mind and uh, you allow all these unclean thoughts to enter. The Bible says you can take command over unclean thoughts by the authority of Christ. You can command things that are not clean, not are not pure, and you can command them to leave. And then it says you can dwell on things that are pure, things that are holy, things that are worthy of praise, things that are good for your mind as you meditate upon them, as you stay in them. And that's why the word's so important. Because I already mentioned Psalm 119, how can a young person stay pure by obeying your word? Mm -hmm. But reading the Bible every day, for instance, and you put that, your eye gate, you're reading it with your eyes, you're confessing it. Maybe there's just, uh, some scriptures that you write down and you confess with your mouth every day. I mean, if you make that a daily habit, it's going to be very, very hard, in my opinion, to be depressed. It's going to be very, very difficult to struggle in your mind as you stay in the word, stay in the word, stay in the word. And I sound like a broken record, but that's, that's how I believe. I believe the word of God has all the solution I need. I don't need antidepressants. I don't need to go to a doctor uh, for my mind. I don't need to sit on a therapist's couch. No, the Lord is my counselor. The Lord is my comfort. The Lord is my peace. The Lord is the one that brings all these things. And you have to get to a place where you understand that my feelings are not truth. How I feel about something is not truth. The word is truth. And so I think what another thing our generation has done is they valued their feelings above truth. They valued feelings above the word. And they believed their feeling more than they believe what God's already said. And so, for instance, for instance Philippians 2.2 says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, mm -hmm. having the same love and being in full accord and of one mind. And so how do you have complete joy? By having the mind of Christ. And how do you attain the mind of Christ? By renewing your mind by the word. And so the word brings that. The word renews your mind. The word is like a water that washes your mind of all the unclean things that would affect it and make yourself think that you have to go to therapy. But instead of that, you can live pure, you can live holy, and you can have peace and joy all the days of your life. Yeah, you made that point. You can't mix the things of man and God and expect it to, to be blessed, to be prosperous. Right. Uh, it, talking about the word of God, you know, making our way prosperous, that hallmark scripture, Joshua 1.8, you know, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. And then, and, and so that you can do the word, and then you will make your way prosperous. And then everything you do will be blessed. It, you know, it's a cause and effect. I, I, I have this saying that I've said before that the biggest, boldest word in the entire Bible is two letters is if. I mean, you see it all through the Bible. If you will do that, you know, if you'll abide in my word and obey my commands, then you can ask of me anything and I'll give it to you. There's the if you'll think on what's pure and good and holy and just then you'll have that the peace of God that passes all understanding. Guard your heart and mind. And I think that comes, the only way you're going to develop that staying in the word and putting it above all else is just that daily discipline and habit. You know what? I choose 
Lord, I'm choosing to value your word above my word, above anyone else's word. And I'm going to read it. I mean, the best way to learn the word is just read it, open it up, right? I know that sounds so simple. And sometimes people just kind of glaze over practical things. But the only way you're going to get the word in your heart is if you open it up, start reading it, start studying it, have a plan. I'm going to read three chapters a day, every day, and get through my Bible this year, whatever that plan is, 10 chapters. For the month of January, I'm going to just have a jump start January and just read through all you know, the New Testament or whatever. You're going to have to consume the word of God and get it in your heart so that you won't sin against the Lord, so that you can have your mind renewed to, to his truth, because it's dangerous to allow unrenewed thinking to direct our lives. Uh, we're kind of gotten in this point where we're talking about the mind, which is the soul, of course. And, and before when we were talking about holiness, about the flesh not being put under submission. And that's interesting because we know as Christians that we are a spirit. We're made in the image of God and God is a spirit. He must be worshiped in spirit and truth. So we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. Uh, but Dr. I, I'm sure you're familiar with Dr. Lester Summerall. He has this awesome quote that he, he said that I heard him teaching on the spirit, soul, and the body. He said, the body and the soul make terrible masters, but wonderful slaves. Yeah. And, you know, it's, that's almost like a concept that's missing to, in the lives of a lot of believers. And then their thinking, I'm not subject to my will or emotions or flesh, or I want to eat. I don't care if it's day 19 on the fast, I'm hungry, you know, whatever. I, flesh, you don't get to make the decisions. Right. Soul, you don't get to make opinions. You don't get to make the decisions. The word of God and the spirit of the Lord is the deciding factor in my life. Absolutely. And um, I quote Michael Tiff already, but another thing he, he says that I really like, um, he says, your flesh represents the lowest nature of who you can be. Hmm. Like if you live according to your flesh, that's the lowest possible uh, place that you can go. Your spirit represents the highest potential of who you can be. But then your soul is the place of decision. The soul is the place where you choose to live by the flesh or to live by the spirit. The Bible mentions Paul did in Galatians 5. He says there's a war amongst your members. And what's the war? The war is your flesh wars against your spirit. But then your soul is the place where you decide your habits and your decisions in order to strengthen one or feed the other. And so that's why fasting is so powerful. And I know we're talking about fasting a little bit because we're obviously on the tail end of this 21 day fast, but fasting is powerful because what it does is, like you said, it tells your flesh to be quiet. It tells your flesh, you're not the ruler of this house. My spirit is, and my soul chooses to live by the spirit. That's why David in the Psalm said, uh, bless the Lord, not my spirit. He didn't say spirit, did he? He said, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. Why? Because your spirit already wants to praise the Lord. Your spirit already has made that decision. The Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so your spirit already wants to live holy and live according to the spirit. Why? Because it is a spirit. But your soul is the one that has to make that decision. And so as a young Christian, a young people, Make a decision to live according to the spirit. The Bible says that those that are the sons of God or the children of God, they are led by the spirit of God. And so in order to live a blessed life, in order to live a life that's led by God, you have to learn how to tune in to the frequency of the Holy Spirit. 
my dad gives this example a lot when he's talking about how to be led by the spirit. But he said, uh, think of a radio. And I know our generation doesn't really use a radio anymore besides like our car, I guess. But yeah. a radio, they have frequencies and they have channels and stations. And all stations, all channels are playing all the time. But you have to dial in to that frequency of the station that you want to listen to. So for instance, the spirit is always speaking. The Lord is always speaking. But if you're not dialed in to the frequency of the Holy Spirit, you'll never be able to know what is being said by the spirit. And so make a decision as you pray, as you fast, if you fast, you should fast, as you read the word, as you are pursuing spiritual habits and disciplines, you're making decisions to tune in to that frequency where you can hear the Holy Spirit and then your life uh, can be all the better because of it. And so young people have to make that decision. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, three, it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so make that decision that my mind is focusing my mind like you said is the soul so you could use the soul in that same verse isaiah 26 3 you keep him in perfect peace whose soul is stayed on you so you make that decision that i'm going to dwell on the goodness of god i'm going to dwell on the word of god i'm going to dwell on things that are good and worthy of praise and lovely and all those kinds of things and because of that my life will be blessed because of it yeah and that involves really a replacement type of mentality as well. Uh, of course, you know, studying the word of God, but also removing things that may contaminate your mind, what yeah. you're listening to. Uh, we, we mentioned about praise and worship and things. There's different kinds of praise and worship. Just because it's all on the Christian radio station doesn't mean it all needs to be coming into your ears because it's, it's some of it's some of it's good, but then there's some of it written by people that, you know, let's be honest, they, they, it sounds like they don't even know God by what they're singing and praying. And, and so it's necessary to replace those things. Don't just, again, mix in the word, let the word be the king of your life, the, the, the rule and instruction of your heart. And if there's anything contrary to it, you say, you know what, it's just not worth it. I, I know you've probably done the same thing, but you know, you're trying to find a, a show to watch, sitting down at the evenings, watch, stream something, watch something. And if in a few minutes I see, you know, if they're cussing me out on the TV show, <laughs> if there's something lewd or something that's just, I don't want to see, even if it's quote unquote, a good storyline, but you know, it begins off where this husband's cheating on his wife Why I'm married. Why would I ever watch someone on screen commit adultery? Not, right. not even necessarily the, the act of it, but like the storyline. Why do I even want that? It's not right. even worth it being in my thoughts. And so I just, I mean, I'll turn it off. I'll, I'll turn on teaching on YouTube, preaching of someone on YouTube or something. Or I'll watch, I mean, I'll watch old Bugs Bunny before I watch something like that to just infiltrate my mind with satanic thoughts, worldly thoughts. Yeah. Teal Osborne, I mentioned already, but he had a thought about thoughts. And he said, uh, thoughts are like birds. They can fly over your head, but you can make a decision not to allow it to make a nest in your hair. Mm. And so, for instance, thoughts come. I mean, it's going to be difficult not to have a thought once in a while, especially in our world where you can't you don't have to even go looking for sin. Sin comes looking for you nowadays. I mean, you can go on social media and, I, and social media. I only have it because I'm in ministry. And it's like it's necessary to have it. Right. But social media is insane. I mean, you go on that like search page on Instagram and things pop up left and right that are insane. And, 
it's like it's hard to even hide from it because it comes looking for you nowadays. Yeah. So thoughts will come. Thoughts might pass over your head, but you can make a decision to allow that thought to make a nest in your hair, like he said, or to have a place where it stays with you. And mm. so make a decision to get that bird out of your hair, for instance, get that thought out of your mind. Don't allow it to take a, a place where it has a, a resting place in your mind. Command it to leave. And then instead, like you said, supplement it with things that are good, things that are lovely. And, you know, if that's Bugs Bunny for you, then <laughs> let it be Bugs Bunny. But whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is, that's something that will make you laugh and it's not unclean and it's not dirty. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Allow that to be in your mind instead of, you know, the alternative. Yeah. Well, Preston, I'm so thankful that you've joined us today. Yeah. And uh, before you go, I, I got uh, some questions I'd like to ask. So concerning Bible reading, just just a fun question. Are you a paper Bible or electronic Bible? What do you prefer? Oh, paper Bible all the way, for yeah. sure. I, I, I mean, we're both young. I mean, we're both in this tech-savvy generation. And I, you probably have resources on your phone, on your tablet yeah. for study. Yeah. And I do too, computer. But man, I, I just carry a paper Bible everywhere with me. I've made this point, and you, you guys have heard it on the podcast, but your paper Bible is never going to ding with a notification when you're reading it. It's right. never going to have a low battery. It's never going to take a call. You can actually read the word undistracted. And yeah, I think, yeah, go ahead. Your, something about holding a Bible in your hand, being able to highlight it with a highlighter. It's just more like, I guess, intimate, I would say. It's more, um, I don't know the word I would use, but being able to just like feel a Bible, hold it in your hand. Uh, like, and like you said, there's, there's no electronic part of it. So it's not going to be like, so-and-so tweeted this or someone's texting you or you got to go do this today. It's, it's a place where you can just zone out and be in the word and nothing else. So that's my thing. For sure. Yeah. Next question. If you could sit down and talk with anyone living or dead, who would it be? Obviously, I mean, Jesus is out of the question, right? Is that part of it? <laughs> that, that, well, you, you did youth ministry. So that's pretty much Jesus in prayer is the answer to everything, right? Right. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously Jesus is like the uh, cop-out answer, but <laughs> I, I would say Smith Wigglesworth. Um, mm -hmm. my, my middle name is actually Smith. I was named after him, oh, my wow. middle name. Mm -hmm. um, and I love, I love reading his books. I love hearing the stories of his ministry. Um, I like how our names are kind of similar. Wigglesworth, Shuttlesworth. Mm -hmm. So yeah, <laughs> I'm Smith Shuttlesworth. He was Smith Wigglesworth. Nice. Um, if you don't know who that, who that is. He was a, a plumber from Bradford, England. Uh, who actually didn't get saved instead of the Holy Ghost until I believe he was in his 40s. Yeah, late in life. Um, yeah, later in his life and powerful man of God. He influenced Lester Sumrall a great deal. And um, so I would love to sit down with him, ask him about uh, his miracles. He had, I think, two people confirmed that were raised from the dead under his ministry. So that's a man of God I would love to sit down with. Yeah, mighty man of God. And you've probably heard this story, but... Uh how about his wife? I mean, she was instrumental yeah. in him coming to the Lord. She was the one that got him saved. And yeah. Him. And I, I even remember, I think it was Lester Summerall, Dr. Lester Summerall making the, telling the story that Smith got mad at her because she kept trying to invite him to come to teaching. And he just got mad and locked her out of the house all night. Yeah. yeah. And when he unlocked the door, his wife came in, made breakfast, sat down and ate it with him. And then yeah. later on that day, invited him to come back to preaching with him. <laughs> you know, it's weird, actually, because what we were talking about, Smith Wigglesworth, Lester Sumrall, when he came to visit him for the first time, you may have heard of this, but he had a newspaper in his hand. And when Wigglesworth opened his door to see him, 
and he saw the newspaper in his hand. He said, don't bring that in my house. You know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't want anything from the world to be in his house. And it kind of goes into what we were talking about the whole time about keeping things. I mean, obviously that's a kind of an extreme level that what he did, but um, the idea is the same where you yeah. keep things that are from the world that are going to affect your mind out. And then you see the difference it made in his life and ministry um, that, you know, the price that you pay to have a miracle ministry might be that where you keep things out of that, out of your life. And um, yeah. Or did you hear about the story about when he came home and his wife uh, had passed away and it was in the house and um, I think so. she was, she was uh, in heaven. Her body was on the kitchen floor, I believe. And so he went, he ran over, grabbed her, prayed, uh, prayed that the Lord would raise her from the dead. And she came back. And when she came back, her, her name was Polly. Is that what her name was? I think it sounds right. Um, um, she said, Smith, why would you bring me back? I was so happy there. And she said, let me go. And he let her go and she went back into heaven. But it's so funny because she, she came back and then she's like, I want to go back into heaven. Let me go. And then uh, he, he let her go back. <laughs> and I yeah. thought that was a funny story. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Once we, once we get to heaven, we're not going to want to come back. Yeah. Only, there, only those like, that remain here ever want someone to come back. I'm, I'm almost there right now, considering, you know, I'd like to, anytime the Lord wants to come, I'm ready. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Live ready. Live ready. Well, right. tell us where we can find you. Yeah. So um, I'm on Instagram, uh, reluctantly on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on, uh, at my name on there is P.S. Shuttlesworth. Uh, so you can find me there. I have a Twitter account under the same uh, name. I don't have a Facebook, not my thing yet. I probably should get one though. Uh, but other than that, I have a, a website and the link to that is in my Instagram bio, but it's just my name if you want to search it. So it's PrestonShuttlesworth.com. And those would be the three main ways. Um, and then going to be traveling this year. Got some things lined up. Probably going to start broadcasting on a weekly basis pretty soon stuff like that. So uh, if they want to stay connected, they can through those ways and love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put all that information in the show notes as well. And as far as, uh, podcasting, you, are you still doing your podcast, um, on Preston yeah. Shellsworth? I haven't put one out this year. I, I need mm -hmm. to get more consistent with the episode. Sometimes I kind of just do it when I feel led to, I don't have mm -hmm. a schedule for it. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, you can find me there. I probably have probably 30, 40 episodes already on there. If they don't know who I am that they can listen to. So and then last gen podcast, you're working yeah. with that as well. There's like a rotation of different speakers on there. So it's Teddy launched it or mm -hmm. Ted with junior uh, evangelist Ted uh, launched it. And so I guest host every once in a while and they're great. They're, they're intended for college age students or teenagers. Awesome. Um, and so the issues and the topics that we do on there are, are young people centered and it's uh, they're good. Awesome. They're, they're guest host besides me too. Yeah. Well, before we before we finish today's episode, uh, I want you to pray for everyone that's listening, if you will. Absolutely. Father, right now, I thank you for every listener on the podcast today. I thank you, Lord, that you administer to them by your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that they don't have to go one more day dealing with things in their mind. I thank you, Father, for peace and joy in their life. I thank you, Lord, that your kingdom is not eating or drinking, but it's life peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So I thank you for that upon every listener. I thank you, God, that this year, 2022, would be the greatest year they've ever had in the mighty name of Jesus. Bless them and all that they put their hands to do and let them be full of your power and your glory as they go throughout 
their life today. I pray it in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Again, thank you, Preston. Really enjoyed having you on the day. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'll do it anytime. I had a lot of fun. It was great. And again, this is Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, remember, we are the faithful. We'll see you next time.